Well, hello, teachers, and welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. Caitlin here with you guys. Along with Jessica. And we, and we are, I was going to say, we are batch recording. They don't yes. know this, but we are like in it today. We are recording lots of episodes. So if you're a batch planner, you know all about this. And this is the stuff we live for. So it's been a fun day hanging out with totally. Caitlin. And I was going to say, too, in addition to that, we have spent like all of May with our listeners. We've had so many bonus episodes. We have another bonus episode this week. Um, and it's just been really fun. I've really been enjoying these topics that we've been covering with engagement, rigor, you know, how to kind of save time in certain things that we're doing, how to thrive inside the classroom. I think they're all really great, um, relevant and important topics to discuss. So. I've been enjoying Definitely. It. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about creating rigorous lessons that don't stress your students out. Um, but before we dive in, I want to remind you to hit subscribe where you're listening to this episode, as well as we'd love to ask you to leave us a review. We love seeing them. We love reading them. Um, it just means a lot to us when you take the time to, to do that. So with that being said, let's dive in to this, this topic. Rigorous right. lessons that don't stress our students out. That's so important. And how do we even do that? Right. I think first though, we're really only going to give you one big strategy because we know it's the end of the year. We don't want to be overwhelmed with information, but first it's almost like having a mindset shift. And I know we hear that's like a buzzword in education or in life right now, I feel like, but we need to first realize that we can have high expectations for our students. They will rise to the occasion. They can do it. And it's like, I always, I feel like in the classroom, taught my students very high level concepts and parents would even often say to me like, whoa, I did not learn that until high school. And they weren't exaggerating. Like, Mm -hmm. why not? My fifth graders could do it. Yes, they needed handholding. And yes, it wasn't going to be perfect the first time, but I definitely set those expectations high because if we go into a lesson going, well, they're not going to get this. It's too hard. We're kind of setting ourselves up for failure. But if we say, you know what, my students are going to rock this, they will be successful and I know they will. So I'm going to do everything in my power to scaffold their learning till they reach that level of success. Then it's a winning combination. Yeah. Would you like that? A hundred percent. I mean, I'm just like nodding my head as you're saying (laughs) all of those things. Um, But, you know, I taught high school for four years before I went down and taught middle school, seventh and eighth grade. And I taught fifth grade for one year. Um, But I brought pretty much all of my high school level books to my seventh and eighth graders. Like I read Othello with eighth graders and they freaking loved it, loved <laughs> it. Like I, I liked teaching that. I'm going to be honest here. I like teaching Othello more than teaching Romeo and Juliet. Um, and I couldn't teach it at my last school. They kind of didn't let me, um, which is interesting Bummer. because you know, I'm a rule breaker and I should have broken the rules, but I decided yes. not to with that <laughs> one. Um, but I just think it's so interesting because I was like, you know what, I'm just going to see what they're capable of. I think they can probably do it. And when we come from that perspective of, and this is something that just can I kind of live our lives by that anything is possible, right? And when we look at our student success or our success or anything that we do as being inevitable, like it's going to happen. You know, someone that we, uh, one of our business coaches talks about this theory or not theory, but just a perspective of, you know, the sun rising, it's inevitable. Like the sun's gonna rise. You don't question it. You don't question it. It's just a thing that happens, right? It's inevitable. And so when we look at our student success, when we're putting rigorous lessons in front of them with that same perspective, that they're going to meet those standards or exceed those standards or rise to the occasion with the same knowingness that we know the sun is going to rise the next day, 
it completely changes the way that we show up in the classroom. It completely changes our perspective, like our inner game, our inner mindset, which is directly reflected on our students, right? Yes. And we are like, we're gonna do this. It's gonna be so much fun. It's gonna be hard, but guess what? You absolutely are capable. That tells them, man, my teacher believes in me. And then when they meet those expectations or they exceed those expectations, how freaking great does that feel for our students? Whereas opposed to if we come into class, like mm, this is going to be way too hard for my kids. I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not doing, doing this lesson. Yeah. What, it, what happens? You know, what's the result of that? And so I think it's just really important to think about how, who we are in our classroom impacts our students so much. So I'd love to challenge you to look at rigorous, challenging lessons that you might normally be like, mm, I don't know, that's going to be too hard for my students with the same knowingness that their success is inevitable in the same way that the sun is going to rise tomorrow. So good. Yeah. And you know, like thinking back on this year, as many of you know, I homeschooled our oldest son, Jameson. He's in second grade. And for the first half of the school year, I decided I didn't want him to do Zoom classes. So he was going to work with me, right? I've never taught second grade. So <laughs> I was doing the best I could with what I found online. I found wonderful reading and math resources, but I said, well, you better believe I'm going to teach him writing, right? Like that's our business. That was my career for 15 years in the classroom. And so my expectations for Jameson were very high. Every single book we read each week, I said, okay, we're going to do a literary analysis response. And at first he was like, uh, what is that? Like, no. <laughs> but when I taught him, okay, you know, this is the formula that we teach our teachers. And I would say, this is what mommy and Caitlin do. It's, you know, we have a tag, we have a summary, we have a claim. He would start to familiarize himself with that language. And by the end of our time together, he could write an evidence-based paragraph. Yes, he needed me to be nearby to kind of check what he was doing, but I would give him a prompt and he'd say, okay, I know what to do, I need a tag. And I'd remind him, okay, well, well tell me what a tag is. And he would know. And it just, I, it would make me crazy when I'd hear from outside teachers saying, oh, nope, my sixth graders can't do that. It's just too hard for them. And I'm like, it's not though. If a second grader can do it, then absolutely your sixth graders can do it. And I think we just have to tell ourselves it's going to take time. You know, Jameson didn't get it on the first time or the second time or the third or the fourth, but eventually he got into the group and then his confidence soared. And it's like such a proud mom moment for me now. And I'm, I'm saying this, like he is a typical kid. Like right now you say, what's your favorite subject, Jameson? And he's like, it's recess followed by PE. So it's not like he loves to write or anything, but his confidence has soared and we're doing some writing classes coming up this summer. And he's like, I want to do an essay class. Oh, I love And that. how cool is that? Yeah. Cause I'm like, you can do it. You know, you know how to write a paragraph now. Absolutely. I will sit there with you and we'll do a class on essays and let's make it fun. I don't want to stress him out and I don't want to overwhelm him, mm -hmm. but knowing that he can do it, he's kind of saying, I'm going to set the bar even higher. And that's what we want to do with our students too. Yeah, totally. So we can tie in the rigor, but we don't want to stress them out. We don't want to overwhelm. So what do we do? Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And if you know us, you know, we're all about engagement and yep. that is our number one strategy. If you're going to have rigor in the classroom, balance it with engagement and your students won't be stressed. They're going to be so into their learning. They won't have time to think about that. This is hard or I can't do this. That's true. They won't have time to think about it. I love that. Right. They're too busy learning and having fun. 
Yeah. And so we want to give you an example of, mm -hmm. of this like in action. And I also want to remind you, you know, you can go back and listen to uh, this month's earlier episodes that we talked about engagement, you know, why you don't need to teach to the test was episode 119, where we talked about making sure our students are engaged and how that's such a key component um, of that concept. So, and there are all kinds of other episodes that we have specifically about engagement, but we want to give you an example of what this looks like. And so we're going to talk about Shakespeare's Sonnet 18. And this is an activity we usually do for Valentine's Day. So I know it's not like super ap like appropriate for the end of the year, but I, I think it's still a good example to share yeah. with you so you can see it. Um, so Shakespeare's Sonnet 18, that's a, a sonnet, it's Shakespeare, but we still taught it with our fifth graders. So I, the one year I taught fifth grade, I was like, we're doing all the hard stuff. <laughs> I even did it in fourth grade one year nice. and it was a success, which was crazy. <laughs> I love it. And so this is such a great lesson because it's hard, right? It's Shakespeare. We're talking about sonnets. I even taught my fifth graders iambic pentameter. We talked about rhyme scheme and all of that stuff. But because at the end of that activity, they were going to be writing a letter back to the speaker, whether or not they were going to return the speaker's affection, right? It's just kind of like mm -hmm. a, a little fun way to be like, no speaker, I don't return your affections at all because I think you're actually full of yourself, blah, blah, blah. So because Is they- that sonnet, by the way, if you're like, wait, what are they talking about? It's the whole oh. like, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. It's that one, like sorry. pretty famous sonnet. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Yes. Sorry. Sonnet 18. That's the one. You're like, what? <laughs> what I would Speakers think affections? Make sense what? Without that context. Um, so yeah. So anyways, because students know that they have this like fun activity at the end, it makes it so much more interesting to like read through that sonnet with a different lens because they know they're going to be responding to the speaker. And it's just fun, fun little thing because you know, younger kids, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, that stuff's fun for them. They want to write a letter back to the speaker and say, no, I don't have any feelings for you. I don't, I think you're full of yourself, blah, 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 all this stuff. And then they want to share their letters. And then they, we laugh as a class. I mean, that was one of my favorite activities ever, but so it much feel super high rigor, but not stressing my students out in any way whatsoever. In fact, it was one of their favorite lessons ever. Right. And I was going to just say, did like pretty much every single kid of yours or student of yours say, nope, don't love you. Yeah. I mean, like it really was funny that no one was like, yeah. I'm returning the love. And it might've been the lens through which we taught the poem, you know, that's true. Audience. Yeah. You never know. You never know. But what I love about this is like you said, it's engaging, but it's rigorous. And again, we're going to have varied expectations. Caitlin doing that in eighth grade is going to be very different than myself teaching it in fifth grade or even in fourth grade that one year. But if I can expose my students to Shakespeare at a young age and they can have that really positive, fun memory, then by the time my fifth graders get to eighth grade or ninth grade and they have that background, they can build on and study that sonnet again. Oh my goodness, right? Like they're going to approach it with such a different perspective. And I think that's so key in our learning. Yeah. So the main takeaway here is, you know, we really want to look at ourselves and how we're bringing, you know, maybe certain beliefs that we have to the mm -hmm. classroom. Um, and if you maybe find yourself thinking like, oh, that's going to be too hard for my kids, let's challenge ourselves. Let's look at it differently. Think about it. Our student success is inevitable. Have those high expectations for them. They can do it. And let's say they eat, they can't. Let's say that they don't. Guess what? 
you still freaking tried and you still gave them the opportunity to try. And I think that that is so, so important to put that in front of our students. But the main takeaway beyond that, in terms of like actionable, like doing something that's not maybe inner work that you're just going to sit on and think about and mull over within yourself is that tying in of engagement. That is key. We have to have rigor and engagement. You can't have one without the other. They are the perfect complements to each other. And if you're listening to this and we know, you know, it's airing toward the end of the school year, right? And you're thinking, well, maybe I can't apply that this year still. We'll start thinking ahead to next school year and maybe approach lesson planning from a different perspective. For those of you who are batch planning this summer for the fall months, start thinking about how can I tie in engaging and rigorous activities? How can I set the expectations really high for my students from day one when school starts? Yeah, and that just made me think I'm going to do a little book drop because this is coming out May 18th and our book should be available for pre-order. If it's not today, it will be very soon. Um, And you can go to ebacademics.com forward slash book. And this is what we talk about. It's called the Empowered ELA Teacher. We want you to be able to be the teacher you want to be, do great work and thrive. And we talk about engaging lessons, rigorous lessons. We talk about our EB lesson planning framework and just all of the different ways that you can bring these concepts into your classroom to be able to create rigorous lessons that don't stress your students out. So again, that's ebacademics.com forward slash book. And I'm just so freaking excited. I can't believe we wrote a book. (laughs) And can I just add that we give you a whole bunch of lessons you can use in your classroom So if you're like, oh, I don't even know where to start with engaging in rigorous lessons. Well, there you go. Yep. There are tons included in the Mm -hmm. academics. I love it. Yeah. I'm proud of us to write a book. (laughs) That was really hard. That was very time consuming. It was, but we set the expectations high. It was rigorous work and we made it fun for ourselves. That is true. We did. I Mm -hmm. had a glass of wine while I was writing. (laughs) What what is it called when you, we sit down for 25 minutes and you just write. Do you remember? Oh, Mm. It's an Italian word, I think. It is. It's a style of writing, and it's going to come to me right when like we're done recording. The fact. Sorry, I put you on the spot. I can't read <laughs> No, I can't think of it. Sorry. But it's so brilliant. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. All right, you guys. Have a wonderful rest of your day. We're going to be um, back on the podcast for a bonus episode on Thursday as well. So we'll be seeing you on Thursday to talk about how to organize your curriculum for maximum learning. It's all, I feel like it's all about having like an approach or like a framework or like a, what's the other word I'm looking for? Just like a, a system. system. Yes. That was the word. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We are all about that at EB. So yeah, <laughs> we're excited to talk about these things. All right. We'll see you guys on Thursday for next, uh, for that podcast episode until then, make sure that you subscribe and leave us a review. We'll see you guys later. Bye guys.